0: London Calling, London Walks Connecting, this is London, story time, history time. And it came to pass that there was a fanfare for a great walk. Fanfare and walk brought to you by a great guide. A fanfare that dishes up a great bit of history. A fanfare that's tasty. A fanfare that's seasonal. In short, a fanfare that's got everything to recommend it. A fanfare that's consummately, lip-smackingly perfect. The Fanfare is, of course, this podcast. It's by Anne, our Foodies London expert. It's about the Christmas pudding. It's toothsome, delightsome, and a lot of fun. Places and personalities, times and tastes, what's not to like. The Walk is Eating Christmas. It takes place on December 6th, December 17th, December 20th, and December 23rd. Full details on walks.com. Now here's that fanfare. Here's Anne regaling us with the quirky, wonderful, and... Wonderful History of that most English of dishes, the Christmas Pudding.
1: Only those with an exceptional appetite can face a slab of Christmas Pudding after the turkey, roast potatoes, stuffing sprouts, pigs in blankets, bread sauce and gravy. Christmas Pudding is a peculiarly British institution, described lovingly by Dickens, and even more lovingly, by the Illustrated London News in 1848. When the pudding, in all the glory of its own splendour, shines upon the table, how eager is the anticipation of the near delight, how beautifully it steams, how delicious it smells, how round it is, a kiss is round, the horizon is round, the earth is round, the moon is round, the sun and stars, and all the host of heavens are round, so... Is plum pudding. It's uh, not round nowadays of course. Round puddings were tied in a cloth to be steamed. Now they're steamed in a basin and may taste the same but don't attract the same reverence. Not surprisingly perhaps Christmas pudding doesn't go down so well with the French who prefer to end their Christmas meal with chocolate cake. In 1824 the Amanac des gourmands put Christmas pudding in its place. A mélange indigeste et bizarre, plutôt qu'une préparation savante et salubre. An indigestible and bizarre mixture, rather than a wise and healthy dish. The French friend told me how, new to the UK, he saw Christmas puddings on sale in October and decided this must be a special delicacy which he should buy while there were still some left. He took one back to France as the centrepiece of a family dinner but sadly no one had read the instructions which of course explained that the pudding should first be steamed. Chewing on their shards of pudding they knew that everything they'd heard about British cuisine was true. Queen Victoria would send out 200 Christmas puddings made at Windsor Castle to all her relatives and leading families in Europe. In exchange, Victoria received a boar's head from the Emperor of Germany or the King of Saxony, the Tsar of Russia sent some Imperial sturgeons, and the Grand Duke of Mecklenburg-Schwerin would send the finest tureen of pate de foie gras, encased in pastry to look like a giant pork pie. One feels Victoria got the best of this royal exchange. We have other royal pudding connections, The late Queen was reported to give her staff puddings which she sourced from Tesco. And it's said that the first Queen Elizabeth made a Christmas pudding with her own hands for the lawyers of Middle Temple. She gave them the 29-foot-long bench table, which still stands in Middle Temple Hall. It was made from an oak tree from Windsor Great Park, whose planks had been sailed downriver especially for them and the first pudding was mixed on this very table. A small amount of the pudding was saved to be mixed in the following year, and this tradition apparently continued until 1966, when it died out until revived by the Queen Mother. Surely an opportunity for our present Queen. What's claimed to be the oldest Christmas pudding in the country is displayed in the Navy Museum in Portsmouth. It's one of a batch of a 1,000 sent out to soldiers fighting in South Africa in the Boer War in 1900. And it still has its label, peak-free high-class ingredients only. It was baked by the biscuit and Christmas pudding factory in Bermondsey. It's slightly older than the pudding taken to Antarctica by Ernest Shackleton in 1902. He wrote, I must, of course, own up. That I boiled the plum pudding in the water I boiled the cocoa in, for economy's sake. The other two chaps didn't know about the plum pudding. I'd stowed it away in my socks, clean ones, in my sleeping bag, with a little piece of holly. Ah yes, holly. Henry Mayhew went to talk to a London pudding seller in the 1840s. Well then, consider, he said, the plum puddings. Why, at least there's a hundred thousand of them eaten in London through the Christmas and the month following. That's nearly one pudding to every twenty of the population, isn't it, sir? But then there's the great numbers eaten at public dinners and suppers, and there's more plum pudding clubs at the small grocers and public houses than they used to be, so say a full hundred thousand, flinging in any mince pies that may be decorated with evergreens. Well, sir... Every plum pudding will have a sprig of holly in him. If it's bought just for the occasion, it may cost a penny to be really prime and nicely buried. If it's part of a lot, why? It won't cost a halfpenny. So reckon it all at a halfpenny. What does that come to? Above £200. Think of that then, just for sprigging puddings. After being rubbished by the French, it's nice to end with enthusiasm from a German. Friedrich Engels, living in Manchester in 1875, sent a Christmas parcel to friends back home and included a plum pudding for his friend's wife. He explained, the small crate also contains some Christmas evergreen holly with its ritual red berries for sticking into the pudding when it's dished up. The holly's right on top so that the customs men get their fingers pricked. And a happy Christmas to you too.
0: You've been listening to This is London, the London Walks podcast, emanating from www.walks.com, home of London Walks, London's signature walking tour company. London's local, time-honored, fiercely independent, family-owned, just the right size walking tour company. And as long as we're at it, London's multi-award-winning walking tour company. Indeed, London's only award-winning walking tour company. And here's the secret. London Walks is essentially run as a guides cooperative. That's the key to everything. It's the reason we're able to attract and keep the best guides in London. You can get schlubbers to do this for £20 a walk. Or do we want to be the best walking tour company in the world? You want to make the most money, you go the slubber's route. You want to be the best walking tour company on the planet, you do whatever you have to do to attract and keep the best guides in London. You want them guiding for you, not for somebody else. Bears repeating, the way we're structured, a guides cooperative, is the key to the whole thing. It's the reason for all those awards. It's the reason people who know go with London Walks. It's the reason we've got a big following, a lively, loyal, discerning following. Quality attracts quality. It's the reason we're able, uniquely, to front our walks with accomplished, in many cases, distinguished professionals. By way of example, Stuart Purvis, the former editor and subsequently CEO of Independent Television News, and Lisa Honan, who had a distinguished career as a diplomat. Lisa was the governor of St. Helena, the island where Napoleon breathed his last and, some say, had his penis amputated. Napoleon didn't feel a thing, if things the most used. He was dead. Stuart and Lisa, both of them CBEs, are just a couple of our headline acts. Or take our Ripper walk. It's the creation of the world's leading expert on Jack the Ripper, Donald Rumbelow, the author of the definitive book on the subject. Britain's most distinguished crime historian, Donald is, in the words of the Jack the Ripper A to Z, internationally recognized as the leading authority on Jack the Ripper. Donald's emeritus now, but he's still the guiding light on our Ripper Walk. He curates the walk, he trains up and mentors our Ripper Walk guides, fields any and all questions they throw at him. The London Walk's all-star team of guides includes a former London mayor. It includes the former chief music critic for the Evening Standard, It includes the chair of the Association of Professional Tour Guides and the former chair of the Guild of Guides. It includes barristers, doctors, geologists, museum curators, university professors, criminal defense lawyers, Royal Shakespeare Company actors, a bevy of MVPs, Oscar winners, people who've won the big one, on some great London walks. And that's by way of saying, good walking and good Londoning, one and all. See you next time.